It's September 26, 2022. Time for episode 174. That's 174 in your score sheet of the Sports Wagon Podcast. It's your man, Uncle Dub. Hit me up on Instagram and Twitter. It's Uncle Dub, I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. So the headquarters of the Sports Wagon Podcast is occupied today. And with some good news here, the, the worldwide headquarters is moving once again. So we're moving to our permanent home in a few weeks. So uh, going to be a little transition going on here. I'll probably be doing a little bit more of uh, the recording from the car as I'm doing today. So I hope you're having a great Monday, Monday edition on deck. Uh, we'll start with the NFL today. So our winners from Sunday, the Bears, the Titans, the Colts, the Dolphins, Vikings, Rams, Bengals, Panthers, Jaguars, Rams, Falcons, Packers, and Broncos. Um, also, the Philadelphia Eagles came to D.C. and got a win over the Commanders. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I'm terribly surprised about this. I mean, I saw the score uh, at the end of the second quarter, around the middle of the second quarter, going to the end of the second quarter. And I'm just thinking to myself, yeah, 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 this, this is going to go about as well as I expected. So uh, the Eagles are now 3-0. and uh, also, uh, Miami is 3-0, so uh, someone tweeted out, this might have been Alabama football being slick, but shout out to them. They tweeted out, you know, the only two quarterbacks that are 3-0 in the league, and they're both Alabama guys, so that's pretty hilarious. Um, Vegas and Houston are both winless. I believe Houston has a tie but still no wins. So this uh, NFL season is kind of shaping up uh, rather uh, interestingly, although we're only three weeks in. But I think three weeks in, we kind of have a pretty good feel so far of who's who's pretty good, who's not good. But again, we've still got, what, 14 more weeks of this. This could all change on a dime, as you as you well know. Um, let's go over to golf for a brief update. So remember, uh, the President's Cup went down this past weekend at Quail Hollow in Charlotte. So the United States over the international team, they win their ninth consecutive President's Cup. And in 14 President's Cups, the United States has won 12 of them. So they defeat the international team 17 and a half to 12 and a half this past Sunday. Um, international team... Uh, Captain Trevor Trevor Immelman basically said when this thing started that the U.S. has assembled the greatest team ever. Um, if you think about this, the U.S. team had five of the top ten players in the world golf rankings, and the other seven are top 25 players. So when you assemble that kind of talent, and also considering that uh, LIV Golf has essentially had a bigger impact on the international team, um, a, a lot of people expected it to be a, a wash, and it was kind of a wash, although a uh, five-point victory, you know, that's really nothing to sneeze at. But two names that you should kind of keep an eye on. The first is Tom Kim from South Korea, so uh, a pro who really made a name for himself in this event. So I think he, um, I think he went undefeated in all of his matches, so a name to kind of keep out keep a watch out for uh next pga season another name is max homa so max homa is not a new name he's someone that we've mentioned on the show before he um again stepped up big uh on a team that is very depleted from a talent standpoint so then the question here is how does this performance how does it affect 
uh, the Ryder Cup. So this time next year, so around the end of September uh, in 2023, we'll have our, our, our next Ryder Cup. Um, so this should be interesting. It'll be held in Italy. Um, the U.S. and the European team both took some hits from LIV, from the LIV defections. However, we should expect that both rosters will be really strong. So I'm expecting that, you know, I don't think it, there's going to be any drop-off from the European standpoint. So just to remind you real quickly that President's Cup is an international team versus that versus the U.S. team. So one thing that I think people kind of pointed to is that since it's an international team, although you would think European, there would kind of be a little bit of this, but the international team, there was kind of the language barrier happening, um, but that didn't really, I don't think that really played a big role in this. I think it's just the fact that you have guys who really haven't gotten a chance. They are professionals. They play golf. They're just getting their big chance, but they're playing against some really good competition from the U.S. side, but on the, the Ryder Cup side, you know, both we're going to have some really good competition. I think next year's Ryder Cup will be probably some of the best competition that we've had in quite a while uh, for uh, the Ryder Cup. But another thing that was noted that the U.S. team, they said that every, they just looked loose. They looked like they were having fun. The guys genuinely liked each other. You looked at, say, guys like Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth, who've been playing golf together since they were four. You know, they've competed against each other. They played on this team. They really just had a great time. And then you think about the guys who left to go to LIV, guys like Patrick Reed, who's kind of been, uh, he's kind of had his discontentment with some uh, some events with Ryder Cup in the past and with President's Cup. Uh, the elephant in the room um, uh, was uh, Bryson DeChambeau, him, Brooks Kepka chirping at each other so you're on the same team but still there's that that tension so without a lot of those guys not there there was a lot of genuine good feelings and I think that led to a lot better play a lot better team chemistry so I mean really can, can we say that live golf um kind of caused some better chemistry I mean Let's I let's just go ahead and say it. Maybe Live Golf did create some good here because again, you know, we've talked about how Live has been bad, but if that if what it took was the defections of some of the guys who typically aren't the uh, the guys who are the squeaky wheels, if the squeaky wheels are gone, and that allows the team to have less tension to play a lot freer then, hey, chalk it up to a win. So chalk it up to a win for a team chemistry standpoint and chalk it up to a win in the President's Cup. So congratulations to uh, the, uh, the winners, the, the U.S. team uh, winning the President's Cup for the ninth straight time. NASCAR, Tyler Reddick. So a week after he was eliminated from playoff contention, he goes out and he wins the Auto Trader Echo Park Automotive 500 at Texas Motor Speedway. Um, he led 70 laps and 53 of the last, and he led 53 of the last 54 laps. The race was extended, so this was a crazy race. So, first of all, we had a record 16 cautions. We had a, uh, a red flag that lasted about an hour, so uh, we had a number of crashes and there was a lightning so um with the crashes 
Um, you had a lot of teams still having a lot of tire issues. I think Kyle Busch, he uh, he bowed out of another race. So uh, and there were 36 lead changes. So essentially, um, another nutty race. No playoff contender has yet won a race <laughs> in this playoff. So again, it's all based on the points. So essentially, the contenders, let's look at where they fell here. So Ryan Blaney was the highest contender. He finished fourth, followed by Chase Briscoe, who finished fifth. William Byron finished seventh. Kyle Larson, ninth. Danny Hamlin, tenth. Daniel Suarez, twelfth. Ross Chastain, thirteenth. Austin Sendrick, fifteenth. And Alex Bowman, twenty-ninth. So because of all the way the race went, Joey Logano took over the points lead from Ross Chastain, so he now has a 12-point lead over him. So, race two, round two, they head down to Alabama, Talladega Super Speedway for the Yellowwood 500. They'll go 188 laps. The green, la the green flag drops Sunday, 2 p.m. Note the change. Not USA. This race will be shown on NBC. Um, let's see. The NBA training camp starts tomorrow, so I think today is media day. I saw uh, something on Twitter. Uh, they, they, they were at heat camp and Jimmy Butler now has dreads. If I, if I saw that correctly, I'm hoping that wasn't Photoshop, but Jimmy Butler now has dreads. So take that however you want to take it, but the NBA's back in all of its glory. I'm sure we're going to have a lot to discuss. The memes will be a flying. The season starts in three weeks. So of course, the big conversation will be all the free agent moves that will affect each team. But here are some things that I think are interesting. Again, Golden State, what are their chances to go back to back? Again, that's going to be a conversation. Um, the Nets, all I have is, huh? What, the, what are the Nets going to look like? I mean, we know what they're going to look like, but I'm talking about their play on the court. What's that going to look like? Is it going to get any better? Um, the Lakers get a double, huh? Because I saw their roster yesterday, and I'm just scratching my head. Like, I really need some questions answered about this this Lakers roster and then of course the Celtics uh, we all know what the Celtics did last season so now they're going to move forward interim coach for the year so the question with the Celtics is how do they uh, how do they finish the deal I mean can they get back to where they were last season and can they finish the deal and win yet another title for that storied franchise? So again, just some basic questions. I'm not gonna spend a lot of time kind of going through all the questions right now, but again, you know, these are things that we'll kind of, we'll, we'll be seeing and talking about over the next three weeks as we lead into uh, the new season. All right, so here's the college football session part of the show here. So we start with our week five look at the AP top 10. So the top five teams all stayed intact. Georgia remains at number one with 55 first place votes, followed by Alabama with four first place votes, Ohio State third with four first place votes, Michigan four, Clemson five. Now the movement starts six through 10. Uh, at number six, USC moves up a spot. Kentucky moves up a spot to seven. Tennessee, the Volunteers get a big win over Florida. They move three spots into the top 10 to number eight. This is their best ranking since 2006. Oklahoma State actually holds steady at number nine. And NC State, the Wolfpack, moved two spots into the top 10. 
Notables, with that loss to Tennessee, Florida is out of the top 25. Texas, Texas is out. They lost to Texas Tech. I called that game for Texas. Again, you know, I always say it. Texas games, calling them for me are, are, are a relatable crapshoot. Uh, and then Miami is out. Miami, oh my God. Look, I'll talk about Miami in just a second, but I don't think anyone foresaw them losing to Middle Tennessee State. I'll kind of come back to the circle back to them in just a second. Um, a couple other notables. Florida State is back in the poll. They're at number 23. They're 4-0. This is their best start since 2015. So congratulations to the Seminoles. So if you remember, the Seminoles had a long reign in the top 25. Of course, winning national titles, being at least in the top five, top two, top three, depending upon the season. Um, you, so before Bobby Bowden started his tenure as head coach, you know, in the mid to late 70s, you know, once that tenure started, Bobby Bowden, if I recall correctly, had one losing season in Florida State history, and then boom, there you go. Um, Minnesota, they're back in the top 25. They're at number 21. They had a short visit to the top 25 in 2020. Um, I'm liking Minnesota. Um, again, I you know, when PJ Fleck got hired for that job, it took some time for him to get that program kind of where it is now. But I think that he's kind of I think he's kind of, I won't say he's figured it out, but I think he's got to the point to where this program is, you know, they're on that right track. Um, I mean, they're just really, really doing some some big things. And I think part of it is they've got some veteran guys in their team. I mean, again, with the transfer portal, you know, there's just a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of holdover uh, from, uh, you know, past, you know, past teams from other teams. And the guys get to establish themselves over a particular period of time. So Minnesota's looking really good, hoping that they can stay in the top 25. I think they do have, I think their game I'm calling uh, this coming week. So I haven't written out my list. I'll kind of go through what I'm thinking about for next week. Um, my picks from last week. So last week, what did I say? I was picking 20 games. Guess who went 13 and 7? I mean, amazing. I mean, didn't start off good, but I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, kind of blew that West Virginia, uh, Virginia Tech game. I mean, I'm not, I don't think this week I have any picks that I'm going to take back. I, I feel, I feel, you know, what I did, I, I did, and I can kind of see how the wins that were out there kind of happen. I mean, I'm not, I don't feel like, oh, I should have gotten that. Eh, you know, it was one of those weeks the games went as as they should have and as i look at the stats and look at the scores i go okay i can kind of see why that happened or how, why this team won so not gonna take any picks back this week it is what it is you know every now and then i just feel like ah i should have known that this team was going to beat this team but there you go so through four weeks of picks i'm what 44 and 21 so you know, not too bad. I'm, I'm approaching. I'm, I'm slowly approaching 70%. So if I can pick about 70% of these games right, I'll feel good. So we'll see how at the end of the season. At some point, I feel like the numbers will be, you know, the win, the, the number of correct versus number of incorrect. I think the numbers will kind of 
uh, once I add it all together over the number of uh, over the number of correct picks. You know how to do math. Um, once I look at those, I hope the numbers will approach the point to where they're easy to figure out and maybe I'll get like an even percentage. Again, you know how to do math, so we're not gonna have a math lesson here. I'm the last person to teach anyone math. Um, some things that I saw last week, you know, uh, this past weekend, uh, um, not necessarily what I learned. I, I'm gonna get to what I learned a, a little bit, but that Clemson Wake game was so good and you gotta feel bad, of, I feel bad for Wake. Um, they've been so close on so many occasions. I mean, this was really a good opportunity, not to take anything away from Clemson. I think coming into the season, a lot of people felt like DJ Uyungle, you know, he had to really redeem himself for last season, and I feel like he has. I mean, there's still kind of, you know, some things about the Clemson passing game that isn't like spectacular, but it's good. You know, it works. It gets the job done, they get the win. I think that's what's important. Um, but that comes in defense. I mean, yo, they're 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 scary. Uh, they get after you. And like I said, I didn't think Clemson was going to slow Wake down, but I think both teams on the defensive side did enough to keep this game close. I never would have foreseen this thing going to overtime, but it did. And it was really, really, it was such a good game. I was so just happy to watch it sad for wake um i wanted to listen to i you know with, with the way a lot of these football teams and their uh their radio broadcasts go they're i think most of these schools are on learfield so if you want to listen to it on the radio get the post-game scoop um or try to find some station local station that kind of talks about all the goings on it's hard to find couldn't find anything in winston-salem um couldn't listen to their post-game show um, but I have a feeling, and, and the broadcasters talked about this, I think that last drive that Wake had where they ran the football to try to run clock and try to ice the game, you know, try to win the game in regulation, um, folks, are they were just like, you know, Clawson's going to get a lot of questions about that. And rightfully so, but, I mean, again, I don't think it takes anything away from Dave Clawson. He's definitely uh, one of the, I would say he's definitely one of the brightest guys in football. He's really super smart. I mean, he's won a lot of places. I mean, this is a tough loss for them. Um, but again, you know, I think the Atlantic is going to be a little bit more wide open this year, potentially. But again, we got a big matchup coming up this weekend. Uh, NC State goes to Death Valley. So another big Atlantic game. So another top 10 matchup. Um, I wonder if game day is going to Clemson. Probably. Because uh, that's definitely uh, a must-see game. I'm hoping that's going to be the primetime game. Because these primetime games on ABC, I've said it before and I keep saying it. They're, they're, some of them are good, but they, they could do a little bit better. I mean, what was it? Uh, Ohio State, Wisconsin? I mean, I I mean, if Wisconsin were ranked, sure, but not the best, uh, not the best game uh, for prime time. Uh, let's see, Notre Dame and UNC. Notre Dame and US UNC. Um, Notre Dame took their foot off the gas a little bit, uh, although they still won by a fairly sizable amount. I mean, Notre Dame was blowing their doors off. And then Carolina managed to sneak in and, and score a few and try to... They made the game a little bit close. I think it was 45-27. I mean, that's still a fairly sizable 
win, but I mean, before that, I think it was, I think the lead was bigger than that. So, you know, Notre Dame's kind of got to work on, you know, trying to, you know, keep these teams kind of, they, if they've got you down, you need to kind of work on keeping them down uh, for the remainder of the game. And speaking of that, man, Washington State almost got Oregon. Listen to this. So this game, Washington State played great for three quarters. This game was 29, I'm sorry, it was 27-15 at the end of three. Oregon won the fourth quarter 29-14. Are you serious? So that defense came alive for Oregon. They put some points on the board offensively. I mean, what, what do you do? I mean, you had... The number was it was it, I think you were fifth ranked or something I don't know anyway you had a highly ranked team on the ropes in the Pac-12. Do you know how much this game would have disrupted the Pac-12 if Washington State could have pulled that off? So another team that they've got to sit back and shake their heads and wonder what if with this game. So I was I was a little disappointed because I was like you know what. I had, and there was a lot, there was a couple games in the Pac-12 where I could have said, you know, I'm going to go with the upset. And I almost went with Oregon State over USC. That was a close game. If you had told me, well, I think I did say it was going to be a close game. But the Pac-12 is a little interesting. I think you've got some teams at the top there that when this is all said and done, we may see a, a a Pac-12 team potentially in the playoff, but again, I said I said before that it's these teams have to be consistent. They've got to keep the pressure on. They've got to keep winning. I mean, Oregon, what they had that, well, they got blown up by Georgia in that first game. Outside of that, I mean, right now, Oregon looks pretty good. Washington, again, their schedule may be an issue so right now Oregon's kind of in the driver's seat on this thing that if you got a Pac-12 team and then of course USC you got USC too but again I don't know about their schedule I got to look at their schedule but I feel like they're you know they're playing their Pac-12 teams I don't think I know they play Fresno State I forget who they played in their opener but again I don't think they're they're playing you know they played you know the big the big game like Oregon did so again Kudos to Oregon. Uh, they're keeping, you know, a, a potential light on for them to maybe, you know, be that Pac-12 team that might slide into the playoff. But again, it's going to be interesting when the playoff uh, uh, rankings are going to be announced uh, very soon. Probably in the next few weeks, we're going to start seeing these playoff rankings uh, uh, come through here. Uh, what I learned this week, uh, what I learned this week was that. Uh, Week five is going to show us some things. So I'm looking at about 24 games. We got a lot of good ranked games. NC State Clemson's that one game. Um, going back to Miami for a second. Um, so Miami. So my favorite person in the world, uh, what's his name? Paul Feinbaum. So first of all, is it me or does he just seem like a miserable person? But he's going to go on Sports Center and go, I think Miami's a fraud. I don't know if it's, or I think it might be too early to call them fraudulent. I think maybe. So let's think about this. They lose last last week to A and M. Close game. If you had told me it was going to be an eight point loss for Miami, I probably would have thought you were crazy. Seventeen to nine. Fine. 
So the games before that, they had Bethune Cookman in the start. They hung 70 on them. All right, fine. Then they get Southern Miss. They beat Southern Miss. Okay, they get two games where it's kind of like a tune-up. Then they play a ranked team and don't get their doors blown off. So, again, didn't score offensively, didn't score offensive touchdown, but, okay, they lose by eight points. That kind of gives me hope. At that point, they're two and one. Losing the middle Tennessee, okay, they're two and two. This thing could go one way or the other. Now, if they come out this week and they're playing Carolina, and I believe they are at home against Carolina, the next two games are going to tell us the story for Miami. If they are at home and they beat Carolina, which I think they can, I think that's a good sign. If they go to Tech, they got to go to Virginia Tech. That's probably usually Virginia Tech, Miami is usually a hot Thursday night game. Use a lot of hype. It's a chippy game. I'll say this much. If they go and beat Carolina at home and beat Tech away, I think they're okay. If they... I think the worst case scenario for them, obviously, if they lose both those games, I think those are potentially two winnable games for Miami. That's what I think. Um, If they lose those two, maybe we can say fraudulent. But right now, I'm not buying that Miami's frauds, honestly. I think Miami, you know, honestly, I think they are, they're a scary team to me. I think they've got the pieces. I, I don't know about, you know, maybe maybe the confidence losses has been lost a little bit. I know uh, Tyler Van Dyke was pulled from the game um, on Saturday. So, I mean, there's a lot going on in Coral Gables. I don't think we can put the fraud label on the Hurricanes as of yet. I don't want to do that. I think that's a little bit crazy and premature. Um, some news and notes from college football, real brief. Boise State fired their offensive coordinator uh, over the weekend after they lost uh, to UTEP 27-10. So former uh, college head coach, NFL head coach, Dirk Cutter, uh, he's, I think, their offensive analyst. He will slide into the OC duties for uh, for uh, uh, Boise State. Let's see. Uh, Utah. Utah. Uh, Utah tight end Brent Keithy is out for the season. So uh, he left the Arizona game in the first half with an apparent knee injury. So Keithy is a big target for Utah quarterback Cam Rising. Currently, Keithy leads the team with 19 receptions. He was all second team Pac-12 last season. He's a really big target, runs great routes, does so many good things for that offense. So now they've got to find another guy to step up in that offense. So that's a big loss for Utah. So, uh, and I really like watching that offense run. Cam Rising is such a good quarterback. I mean, again, the things that they did last season, winning the Pac-12, um, they had Ohio State on the ropes in the Rose Bowl, and you know, as we know, Ohio State doing Ohio State things, coming back behind C.J. Stroud and that great uh, uh, group of uh, wide receivers. Two of them are now in the league, but again, they still got so much talent from a wide receiver standpoint, and such a great quarterback. So I've got C.J. Stroud as my uh, my my current Heisman Trophy pick, but as we know, the season is still young, so we'll see how that all pans out. 
Um, other news and notes, Georgia Tech. So it was reported yesterday that the Georgia Tech board would meet today to discuss the future of head coach uh, Jeff Collins and athletic director Todd Stansberry. So today was announced that both have been let go. Um, so Stansberry hired Collins. He made the decision to bring him back this season after a 3-9 and season last year. So Jeff Collins was in his fourth season as the head coach of the Yellow Jackets. He was 10-28 and in four seasons. The Georgia Tech team has lost nine straight games to FBS opponents. Um, Collins will make in his buyout $11.37 million. So if the team had waited till the end of the season, it, that buyout would have reduced to about $10.6 million. And if they had waited until January, it would have been $7.2 million. So essentially, we know what this is. Um, we, we've seen this twice already this season that, okay, you've got coaches with – um, you know, with, with buyouts, and we say, okay, well, if we wait a little bit longer, we can get the buyout down to a particular amount of money. But, again, more so kind of saving the program or trying to reverse the direction at this particular time to try to maybe save the season um, is kind of what these ADs are doing right now or at least what the the board wanted to do. There's an interim AD in place now, um, Brent Key, uh, will be the interim head coach for Georgia Tech. So now the question is, you know, again, another team that's going to have, you know, a, a, a tough week uh, with this announcement coming at the beginning of the week. New interim coach, so got to reset the tone of the locker room, go through practice. Again, the system probably won't change very much as we know, just the approach and trying to kind of keep these guys kind of motivated and working and thinking about the next opponent. Um Again, I think with a couple names that were mentioned uh, for possible replacements, Jamie Chadwell at Coastal Carolina. So he's a name that's come up with a number of coaching searches. Um, what's the other name? Um, uh, Jeff Munkin, who is the head coach at Army. And, again, Munkin is a former Georgia Tech assistant. So, again, um, Munkin runs – a similar system to Paul Johnson, who he was an assistant coach under. But, again, a lot of folks are thinking that maybe Munkin doesn't, if he were to take the job, doesn't really um, bring in the full triple option. His brother Todd Munkin, who was the OC at Georgia, he's another possible uh, successor. Um, also, uh, Troy Calhoun. So there's a name that you may be familiar with if you're an old-school college football fan. So, Troy Calhoun, uh, formerly of Air Force, current current head coach. So, he runs kind of a hybrid system, so kind of a little bit of, so of a pro style, and kind of that, um, uh, that triple option, so kind of a hybrid between the two. And really, I would like to see that at Georgia Tech. I mean, again, we all know the success that Paul Johnson had with the triple option at Georgia Tech. A lot of folks are thinking maybe – Going back to that style may be better, but I don't know if it's necessarily better. I mean, we see the triple option still with the service academies, but I kind of like that idea of having that that hybrid style between the pro and the triple option. So maybe, you know, Troy Calhoun. I mean, I don't know if Troy Calhoun leaves Air Force. I mean, he's an Air Force guy. You know, he. I think 
it, with his hire, I thought he was really the best fit for not just as a coach, but for the culture. Because again, you know, he played in the glory days of Air Force football, and because of that, his head coaching tenure now he's essentially bringing that back, and I'm excited to see it. I remember some some really really good players. I went through that program. As a matter of fact, another game I'm looking at, uh, the first in the Commander-in-Chief series will be this this upcoming weekend, Air Force and Army, and I think that game will be noon on CBS. So, again, looking forward to seeing the first salvo in the Commander-in-Chief trophy. I believe Air Force currently holds the trophy, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I have to uh, get on the research department to <laughs> verify uh, who, who currently holds that uh, trophy, but nevertheless, uh, again, we've got, I said, I said we got, what, 14, uh, 21, gosh, and now my notes are in order, I can't find what I put what I said, uh, I'm looking at 21 games, I don't remember, anyway, whatever I said earlier, you know what I said, so just go ahead and go with what I said a few minutes ago, but we've got a lot of really good games this upcoming weekend, 24 games, there we go, I knew it was somewhere between 14 and 20, so, or 20-something, 24 games this weekend as of right now. But we'll get to all of that um, probably on Wednesday because Friday is another uh, crazy day for me. So we got to uh, get ready to uh, make the arrangements to officially uh, make the new home of the podcast our own. And then we got to go through all the actual physical labor of it. But that will be happening on Friday, so we'll get the Wednesday show. We'll do all the Wednesday stuff. Uh, we'll do all the Friday stuff on Wednesday. We'll get to the picks. We'll talk games. Uh, we'll catch up on whatever else is going on in the world of sports this week. Um, we'll probably do our MLB update next week because I feel by next week we'll have uh, more information. We can say that Cleveland has clinched a playoff spot. So, again, more likely, as we said last week, uh, Cleveland is more than likely going to win the AL Central. Um, but nevertheless, uh, it's getting close to that time. The weather's changing. It's a beautiful day today, although for me to record, I got the AC on, so you won't hear all the breeze through the window. But once I'm done with this, the windows are down. Beautiful day outside. And uh, baseball, fall baseball is coming, and I'm 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 kind of excited. The Orioles are looks like they're going to be in the playoffs, so, you know, me and the Phillies, so I just don't want to see the Orioles and Phillies in the World Series ever again. I, I don't need that kind of stress in my life right now. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, I appreciate you listening. Thank you for the likes, the retweets. Um, of course, you know where to find me, Instagram and Twitter. It's Uncle Dub, I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-V. Until the Wednesday show, and I don't think we'll do Dubs and L's this week, so we'll just kind of get to the nitty-gritty on Wednesday, talk whatever, whatever things are happening, and then, of course, we'll get to all of our football picks for the week, uh, and then we'll reset the deck for next week. Got a lot of good stuff coming, but I appreciate you listening. Thank you. And, of course, as always, as I tell you, uh, we're getting into uh, the cooler weather again. Winter is coming. Boo, tomato, tomato, tomato. But until, uh, you know, we kind of tamp everything down, uh, protect yourself, COVID, flu, get your flu shot. I'm, I'm, I'm always a big advocate for, for the flu shot. I'm a public health guy. Get your flu shot, protect yourself. It will just help you in the long run. 
And of course, always remember to drink your water and mind the visit that pays you.